podcast i am your host andrew morgan you can follow the show at nomcast pod on twitter and instagram and you can check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com all right this week we get back to basics after a more news and notes episode last week with casey moore of what's on netflix this one will be a good old-fashioned double feature as we review the surprise vampire thriller blood red sky big hit uh, over the last couple weeks we're going to do that one and the new action comedy from Jean-Claude Van Damme, The Last Mercenary. We will do all that with our frequent return guest, Mr. Shane Beauregard of Media Mosh. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm glad you uh, bring me in when you have these kind of genres that you're talking about today. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's batshit. That's what I bring <laughs> you on for. I bring you on for the crazy stuff, you know, the more genre fare. Uh, we're doing a couple of action thrillers today. Uh, thriller, maybe obviously less on the uh, Van Damme side, but, uh, you know, definitely a lot to chew on, a lot of action going on. We can't waste any time today because we got two big ones. Blood Red Sky, we'll start there. Like I said, it was such a big hit. I, d- I don't know if you noticed the top tens over the last couple weeks, but this one was number one as soon as it came out. And I even looked today because I did a rewatch today. And it was still in the top 10 overall in the U.S. I mean, it was like number 10. But still, that's an incredible feat for a film that isn't even fully in English and doesn't even have big stars. Correct. But I understand why. Once you've seen it, I like this film. I'm not going to hide it, but um, I can see why it's in the top 10. It's a very enjoyable film. I was looking forward to it. It hit on a lot of levels because I do like the vampire genre and movies in particular. And they threw enough twists and turns in here to really keep me entertained. And I think that's why it has the success it has. Yeah, it's funny because I've had you on for action stuff and horror stuff. And obviously this is kind of a blend of the two. But one of the things that I find interesting is that all of a sudden we, you and I used to complain about it. Like Netflix doesn't have horror. There's no horror or any of that kind of stuff. Now it's just everywhere, uh, especially on the heels of, uh, you know, the Fear Street trilogy just coming out. And they had a couple other horror films uh, come out during that time as well uh, with Ghost Lab and a classic horror story. These kind of like foreign horror films. So they, you know, they're loading up and, and they definitely always have at least a full October uh, of things to watch, too, that we know are coming up. So very interesting that Netflix kind of switched stance and kind of went hardcore a little bit. And this one, um, like I said, a, a very big success. You know, it's a, a low-budget horror film, uh, around $17, $18 million budget. It took the director, Peter Thorwarth, 16 years to get this financed uh, because he was primarily doing comedies and nobody thought he could do something like this. So good for him that he was able to pull this off. Um, you know, they went through a lot, uh, a lot of hell in terms of the production. Uh, you know, they had about a week before COVID shut them down. And then they had a measles outbreak when they got back to it. There was a lot of things going on. So, you know, if anything, this is just a, a miraculous accomplishment to even get this on film. Um, you know, and, and, and this is one of those things where, like we said, not a lot of stars, 
but definitely some people that, you know, you and I as like genre fair people, you know, some people who we like to see, you know, like Dominic Purcell, you know, uh, playing a, a terrorist here, you know, him of Prison Break and Legends of Tomorrow. You know, it's kind of fun to see him kind of be him, you know, that right. this is his deal. Uh, and then the three kind of like lead guys who kind of jump off are uh, Perry Baumeister, who plays Nadia. Um, from The Last Kingdom of Net, uh, Netflix. Uh, it's a German show, I believe. Kai Seti, uh, who plays Farid. He was in uh, Dogs of Berlin, which is a German Netflix show that was uh, a pretty big hit for them. And then Alexander Shear, who plays 8-Ball, um, who is, you know, he's portrayed people like David Bowie, Keith Richards, Andy Warhol, Nietzsche. Like, he's definitely a guy who likes to take a lot of risks, big swings, you know, big personalities. Uh, and he was even in a Golden Globe-nominated miniseries, Carlos, where he played, you know, yet another person who who's from, you know, real life. So he seems to really like to to pop off. And I think in this movie, he definitely, you know, of all the, the terrorists and all that stuff, really uh, comes out. And then you have somebody like uh, Graham McTavish, uh, you know, from the Hobbit trilogy, and he's in The Witcher and Outlander. And I think the first time I saw him was in 24 because he plays a good kind of like brute, you know, kind of this that type of character actor. So so when you saw this, I know we kind of previewed this uh, before. I think you were pretty high on this coming into it as well, right? I was. When we went over our Geek Week reviews of what was coming out, this was, it, this was like in my top three again because I do like the genre. And I was excited about it based on like what we went over that night of everything um, with Fear Street. Like I was, but this was a little higher for me with, with Fear Street again because I like the vampire stuff. And I watched the trailer. And I was like, okay, it's going to be a little different, and it just drew me right in. Yeah, I believe I kept calling it "Vamps on a Plane." You know, yes. it's got it kind of <laughs> it. It seems simple in a way, you know, uh, but I like the genre blend, and I think that was part of the appeal that you and I talked about. Uh, off air or even on air was, you know, where you got a, a hijacking here, a plane being hijacked and having this wild card of this woman who seems to have this mysterious illness. And then you see in the trailer, it is no mystery anymore that <laughs> she is full on vampire and, and doing it in that classic style. We had kind of mentioned to each other, like she's gone full Nosferatu with the the bald head, the extended ears. It's it's not the glamorized Anne Rice version of vampire vampirism uh that, you know, some people are used to. Right, or the glowing vampires from Twilight where they sparkle. So we don't have any of that here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This this hits the right pitch where you're kind of seeing these more aggressive vampires, you know, like I think you had mentioned what uh 30, 30 days of night. 30 days of night. Yeah. Uh which is a really good comp you know you're getting to see you know more proactive more violent vampires here which is it really adds the effect of you know this insanity while also having the hijacking going on and adding this element in a confined space like an airplane it's really intriguing and i thought they did a good enough job at times of bouncing around not making it feel as claustrophobic which you kind of can with an airplane not a lot of places to go, but I think they bounced around to enough places that it didn't seem to be too repetitive or too, you know, one note in terms of the set design or any of that. Right. And that's what I liked. I liked the, when she dropped down in the cargo hold, a lot of the action scenes went on there. Then she had the stuff, you know, in the bathroom, then she took the flight of the, I mean, they moved around the plane enough 
where you had certain action scenes in wide open, what seemed the wide open spaces, even though you're in a plane, that kind of sounds you know ridiculous. But uh, and then you had the claustrophobic scenes weaved in there. So I thought they did a good job moving around using the entire plane as a set. Yeah, for sure. And and just for everybody who's uh, tuning in, just for fair warning, we are going whole hog on this one. We are not holding anything back. This is going to include spoilers right off the bat. So, but we, as we kind of mentioned to each other, like these are two movies that either the trailers already did enough of the spoiling outside of maybe the end of Blood Red Sky, and then Last Mercenary is kind of impossible to <laughs> to, to spoil. So we'll get there, but uh, just a fair warning on that. But definitely, this is a movie like we said we were both kind of into, and the scores for this. I mean, like I said, it's a very popular film. It's number one on Netflix top tens. It's got a, a long tail because it was in that up until, you know, at least Sunday night when I last was looking at it. And then looking at the scores, it's kind of in between. Like, uh, you know, IMDb has a 6.1. Uh, tomato meter is 84%. So that's good on them. That'll probably end up, I don't know about certified fresh, but definitely fresh. Um, you know, even with a 59% audience score though, um, 2.7 on letterbox 43 meta score, but it's only with six critics. So I kind of throw that out, but you know, it's kind of like these middling reviews. And I think, uh, I mentioned to you off air that today I actually did a second watch of this and I'm quite happy I did because I thought it actually improved on second watch. Um, and there were certain things that I wa uh, that I thought about the film after watching it the first time that I kind of switched stance with that. But before I get into all that, let the people know, Shane, what were your initial impressions after watching this film? Initial impressions, I, I like I said, I really liked it. Um, I liked the gore. I liked the violence. I liked the fact that she was at 38 Days of Night Vampire. I liked the dynamic between her and her son. Though, if you really sit and think about their issues, yeah, there's some plot holes within this story. I do like how they interweaved her backstory and how she became a vampire when she was a very young mother with the infant son. Um, the first hour and a half went by really quick. It was very enjoyable. I do like the main villain, not the main villain, I guess, eight, is it eight ball? Eight ball, yeah. I really liked how over the top, because he, he's really like a 90s. 80s style of diehard kind of villain. He turns yeah, he's into. a live wire, and that's actually a very good comp. Yeah, he seems like a diehard villain. Because you think Dominic Purcell is going to be like the main heavy because he's probably the best known or at least facially recognized actor here. Sure. And they kind of switch it with with Eight Ball, which I really like the dynamic between uh, him and Nadia in this yeah. movie because uh, he was just really brings he brings it in this movie. Yeah. So I was on board. All the way through up until the last 20 minutes where this movie just went sideways for me. Um, and we'll talk about that. But there's there's things that she does to suppress her um, vampirism, I guess, from coming out. Yeah. And, and, and being with her son and not wanting to attack people. But it just seemed to kind of, I don't know, just kind of fall apart the longer the movie went on. It, it kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. Sure. But this movie is very rewatchable for me. Um, and I will say Perry Bomeister, never seen mm. her before, but she looks like or reminded me of no, uh, no me repace. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, without the extreme eyes. Yes. That's what I kept thinking of when I was watching this, but my initial thoughts love the movie. 
Yeah, great timing for this movie, released just in time for Vampire Awareness Month, you know, for just a few pennies a day, Shane. You you can get this, uh, you could develop this badly needed cure for those suffering from vampirism, so get those phones and donate some money today. But I agree with you. Uh, this was a very solid film up until about, I clocked it at 125, um, because I wanted to kind of see when it kind of like came to a little more of a screeching halt. Um, one of the things uh, you mentioned too was that uh, the mother daughter, or excuse me, the mother and son angle. That's something that actually developed later. The original concept of this was more derived from uh, him as uh, the writer director here watching from dusk till dawn and kind of getting that tone and then kind of backed off that when he became a father and kind of rewrote it in and put that angle into the film and it kind of gives a little more of of a it stands out more because instead of being just another genre film you kind of get these layers of you know like you said the young mother having to deal with it over time and then trying to get it out of her system trying to you know the lifeline of what this flight means uh had to mean something and they utilize that kind of storyline in flashback and and in present tense to really try to sell that this flight means more than just survival from the terrorists so that was an interesting angle um but i absolutely agree with you this movie um when i first watched it i watched it twice when i first watched it i told everyone that the film was too long and i switched that up a little bit i still think it's a little too long there's some stuff that can definitely be you know sharpened edited down i think it's probably because it's it clocks in around 153 i think when once it hits the credits it's not that long but this movie easily probably could have trimmed off 10 minutes and and been better off for it or switch something as we'll get into that last act and kind of maybe drive it home a little bit more um but yeah i think after second watch the issue became more apparent to me that just the third act doesn't give you that satisfying release from the the gripping two, first two thirds, and it seems more dragged out than it should be, uh, because, you know, it kind of makes sense that that's the part where the mother kind of like gets put to the sideline, and so does Eight Ball, and those are your two wild card characters, and once you push them to the side, the film suffers for it. It becomes a very different type of movie. It becomes more about just trying to to figure out how to not get people in jail or get in trouble or, you know, get rid of the vampires that are still on the plane, but maybe try to save the mother. It's a whole other layer of things that I think goes above what this movie needed to do. And then also ends up grinding it to a halt because it's not something that was leading up to that point. There was no momentum to try to solve those issues or at least it didn't mean as much as obviously the action we see in these films, which, you know, coincide with those two characters. But to end this movie without them at the center of the resolution is a bad decision, in my opinion. But um, yeah, still could have used a little trim. But I would say this is still a solid movie. The, like to get the first hour and a half almost to be really driving and really kind of this nice genre blend. To, uh, with some really good performances uh and we mentioned most of the people who i thought stood out here too uh especially the the two wild card characters i think it could have been better if they landed it better especially if they think about if they're going to do anything past this film i think that 
to to eliminate those characters and would have to start all over again. I understand that they bookended the film with the Fareed and the son, but that's not enough to then also bring it to the end too. It's it's not enough for me. So to me, the grades that I see here from the critic side or even the audience side, I can't fight back on them too much. I think this is kind of a, a middle or slightly higher grade, you know, to that. Right. I gave it a little above average, but I had the same issues you had with that final 30 minutes or so. It's like once you get your two main characters or two, like you call them wild cards, yeah. they're sidelined. It just went crazy. Like it just went in a direction I just didn't wasn't happy with. It just went a little too crazy. Like you said, didn't know what it wanted to solve. And when it finally did, I wasn't happy with it. Um, especially what happens with Nautilus. Like I said, she contained herself through the whole movie, but for some reason she can't contain herself in the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just for no reason either. It just kind of bothered me. Uh, and I forgot you had the whole, um, uh, the father and son at the end. And I totally forgot about that. But up until that last 15 minutes, I was locked in. I enjoyed it enough where it didn't, I didn't want to knock it down too much during my grading system because they could have fleshed some things out. I would like to see maybe a prequel to this movie. Right. Rather than yeah. it going forward down the line. And I think we talked off here, but this is the first vampire movie that used bone marrow, some kind of bone marrow transplant as a cure. Yeah, that they vampirism. treat it fully like a disease. Yeah. Right. I mean, so, so isn't there something in the Blade story where they kind of, you know, make it kind of not living with it, but kind of adjusting it to their needs versus. You know, you know, like the whole bring- daywalker thing, or yeah, you know? it could be. It could so you be. got that, but like, you got that, but it's not the same because she still is suffering from the effects of a normal vampire's. Because you see her trying to dodge the sun and and try to, you know, they don't go into much else besides trying to like drive stuff through people's hearts and things like, like that right. nature. And, but and I wish they had a little more Graham McTavish in here. I'm not gonna lie, I like him as an actor, and the fact that he's only in a couple scenes. Well, they don't yeah. give them much. And I know. I, th- I, I thought, know. I thought when they brought in the fact that it again starts and ends in this kind of military airport, that I thought there was going to be some kind of larger conspiracy stuff, maybe, or some kind of intervention, so maybe one extra plot twist or something that made it to where you know maybe he's in on it, maybe he's covering for the terrorist stuff, maybe he's whatever. But it just kind of is. So they're here. Let's figure out this mystery. And it's like, okay, I don't know if we needed to really start and end with that and the kind of like questioning of the sun and and doing all that. I I don't know how much that actually adds to anything. They could have landed in a field somewhere and and fought it out, you know, and then try to escape the plane and blow it up and be way more satisfying, especially, you know, you go through the whole film where, you know, the mother's trying to do right. And then we're going to end on her, spoiler alert, her getting blown up by her own son uh, who, you know, kept the detonator for for the, the bombs that was set on the plane. I don't know, man. Like, if you're taking her out of the picture, why do I care? Because to me, it's way more her story. But I thought because I thought they thought they were clever in starting with the son and Fareed. That they were like, oh, we can end with that, and that's just fine. And I'm like, ah, no. it's really not. So to me, and again, I don't need them to do some kind of teasing thing to try to extend, you know, to a sequel before they know what they have. I totally get that. 
But they blew the, the mother the the mother not being there is a problem for me. Right. Oh, well, it's a huge problem. You can't you can't make a sequel without the mother, in my opinion. Yeah, because I mean, it, you know, she Fareed gets bit, but they cut off his arm, so he's not going to turn into it. But I guess you can. They always like to do this thing where it's like, okay, well, here's the two survivors, and they know so much about vampires now, or they like dedicate their lives to kind of <laughs> tracking down vampires. They'll do something. They'll try. They'll really try. But I agree with you that because she's more compelling that I think a prequel makes more sense uh, or, you know, trying to show, because I'm sure this isn't the first big issue she's gone through and you can kind of, you know, lay into it more or, or how many times she went back to that house or what happened to her after she killed essentially the head vampire or whatever. Um, I don't know the collateral damage of that because, you know, and that was a long, long time ago when she was first bit. You figure the kid's probably, what, eight? Yeah, Seven. eight, nine-ish, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a teddy bear, so it's kind of like, all right, well, how he old also can ch- He also check himself into an airport, so check luggage. My son can't do that. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very... It, I mean, they try to paint him as, you know, a very smart kid, a very resourceful kid, so, you know, I guess you have to be when you're kind of raising yourself, so there is that. <laughs> um but yeah, I, I think we're on the same page here. It's a good film. It's a solid film. I like I said, I liked it actually better the second watch because when I first watched it, you know, I kind of was like, ah, it's like half a good movie. And then I thought it got out of control. And then I watched it again. I was like, well, it really only loses itself like almost an hour and a half into a movie that's an hour 53. I'm like, okay. So they just didn't really stick the landing as much. They didn't really, they kind of lost their way a little bit. You know, maybe, you know, if this, <laughs> he had 16 years, man, he's not going to, you know, <laughs> change, change it. Maybe he changed it one too many times. Maybe he got ahead of himself, but we'll see. I I, I would like to see more from the universe if she's involved. If not, uh, I don't know. I'm on the same page. Same page as you. She's in it prequels all day long. They try to go forward with it. Nope. I'm done. I, I'm done with this world that, that they built, but you know. Yeah, but knowing Netflix and especially their search for for passable sequels, I can definitely see them doing something, and you know we'll see where it goes. Right. Uh, but but I would definitely say it's 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 a recommend. It's definitely worth watching, especially if you're into that type of genre, uh, whether it be the vampire or a more classic action uh, thriller kind of stuff too. I think it serves both very well. Um, like I said, just uh, close your eyes. You know. You know plug your nose or whatever for the end a little bit (laughs) and uh or or just honestly you could stop it right when eight ball dies and it probably still works no it does work you're right it does work you don't even need the last you don't need to land the plane you don't need to see the consequences of that stuff you just need to know that the kid is safe that they have someone at the helm of the the plane and that they can do it. If anything, they could have showed just five seconds of them landing, and then that's it. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that would have yeah. been a better ending. Yeah. But I understand where they might have gone like, well, shouldn't there be a lot of questions? It was a hijacked flight, and oh, isn't there still vampires on the plane? I totally get it. But if they literally faded to black and knew he was safe, I'm fine. Although, what we were kind of saying, too, I, I probably still would have given it shit because that last scene where the mother and son depart where he's in sunlight and that's his only protection 
That plane moves just slightly in the wrong direction or the sun gets hidden behind. She leaves them alone with a <laughs> room full of vampires. So I don't know. There's there's a lot to be uh to and the door is still wide open. I, you know, so there that's a, probably an issue. Um I said there are plot holes in here. Yeah, <laughs> there are. But yeah, I again, like I said, it's it's probably a a a movie that I would still recommend people to check out and, and some really solid performances. But that's Blood Red Sky. Like we mentioned up top, this is a double feature episode. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back to the return of Jean-Claude Van Damme. We'll see when we come back. Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, the goose is out of the freezer on this one. We're getting right back into it with our second film, The Last Mercenary, which came out on Friday. Uh, the Like I said, the return of Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, I, I believe this is his first Netflix film. I don't remember anything previously. Um, but this film is uh, interesting. Uh, we saw the, the trailer for it. This was in our action movie preview stuff, I believe, Shane, when, when you did that with me. And like you said, I think uh, Geeked Week was when the trailer came out. And we were kind of excited uh, about this trailer, that we were kind of like, as I keep saying with this film and, and what I was thinking going in, is that at least the film's creators got the assignment. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't take it seriously enough they tried to capitalize on maybe some of the later stage Jean-Claude Van Damme stuff where it's like you know almost a meta version a more a funnier more uh, light version of Van Damme you know this isn't kickboxers isn't blood sport you know it's kind of like an updated version on that thought and you know it comes out and I'm looking at the scores and I'm trying to watch it and I'm like uh, I don't know where this is going but before we get into the film itself Shane, I know you're a bigger Jean-Claude Van Damme fan with me. I think we talked off air where I was like, I will watch, you know, Bloodsport and Kickboxer all day. I think I lost him somewhere around uh, Street Fighter Double Impact and then, you know, kind of really haven't returned much at all. Maybe in Expendables 2 where he's part of a franchise thing that I saw, but not really seeking out the leading man Jean-Claude stuff but i know you are more into some of his later stuff where do you sit where did you sit with jcvd coming into this film um a little more than you like i said uh, you know everyone watched blood sport and time cop which i think is his best movie by the way mm, and sure. that whole cyborg and universal soldier was also a great movie yeah and then and then like you said the street fighter came out you're like oh boy 
And then uh, the other <laughs> movie you just mentioned came out and like, okay, I might be done. But then I still like movies like The Legionnaire and I'd watch some of his like straight to DVD movies and right. they weren't like terrible. But to me, he really came back with JCVD, which is kind of, it seems like it just came out a couple of years ago, but that was 2008 that movie came out. Wow. <laughs> right. So it's been a while. And that movie kind of was like, you know, already doing like a self-parody of his life because he played himself in that movie. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, isn't that around the same time as Expendables 2? Yeah, it's Expendables 2 came like a couple years right after that. Yeah, right. so I yeah. think this kind of put him back in the forefront because that movie got good reviews and it kind of made people pay attention to him again after, you know, 10 years of ignoring him pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And then the Expendables 2, he came out and he played the over-the-top bad guy in that movie. And uh, yeah. then he had a short-lived Amazon Prime series, John Claude Van Johnson, which again, he spoofed himself. Yeah, and that was a very entertaining, very entertaining short-lived series on Amazon Prime. So right. yes, and I was really looking forward to this movie. Like I was so looking forward to this movie. Yeah, like I said, it, it, they seem to get it. They seem to try to have a little fun with this and showcase, you know, Van Dam kicking ass and doing splits and all these other things. That you know, it was a movie that I knew kind of going in. It's either going to be. I <laughs> I think I said this to you off air. It was like. I'm either going to say the same words just with different inflections. I'm either going to be like, oh, man, it was so fun. You know, they had, you know, Van Damme in a dress, you know, being a woman doing his split thing. And and they had a, uh, a guy in his underwear doing the scooter ride and all this stuff. It looks so fun. Or you can go, God damn, man, this shit was corny. Like, you know, they had him in a dress. Like, come on, what year is it? Like, <laughs> you can see where I'm saying, like, where it could start. It just depends on the inflection of how the movie makes you feel at the end of the day. And I got to say, after watching this film, it was more towards that latter one where I just was like, I just basically categorize it as the most completely dad movie I've seen in a long time. It, it was pretty terrible. I, uh, I will say I wrote down Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen because that was the last movie I just I, I almost walked out on if I saw this in the theater, I think I would have walked out on this movie. Yeah, I mean, again, not paying for it. I'm actually you know, what's funny is that because if I pay for things, I tend to stay. Me too. Longer. Me too. I'm but but I totally get it. Like if I was I would put out there if I wasn't reviewing this, <laughs> I would have probably turned it off. But, you know, it's keeping like you it to the end. You know. Right. It's like you said, they tried. I thought they just tried too hard. They didn't really know exactly what angle they wanted to come at. At times, like they have, like, they were trying to throw in that awesome power type of humor. Right. But nothing landed. Like none no. of the jokes landed. None of the spoofs landed. None of their setups. Just, I don't, I don't think I'd laugh. I didn't laugh throughout this entire movie. I laughed at what I wrote down one line. <laughs> the, uh, 30 million in an hour. What app are you on? I think I laughed at that one line and that was it. Um, wow. I, and I, I have probably, and again, the, the trailer is brilliant because it put a movie that actually doesn't have enough action in it for me, quite frankly. And they put all those action sequences in the trailer. Uh, you know, the bathroom scene with fighting, uh, the women in the bikinis and electrocuting the agents and stuff. That to me, I thought was the best of what they had. But again, it was kind of a little too late. It's like over an hour into the film or more I was say, by that, that point. Was a, that was like the last act when they had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, like like I said, the guy in his underwear riding his scooter through Paris. 
it's fun enough, but it kind of went on long for a character that at that point you weren't that invested in. And it was kind of, it wasn't, to me, anything has to be motivated by plot or motivated by the characters, you know, advancing the plot. And a lot of the stuff that you see in the trailer is like, this could have been done better. It could have, if the plot was thicker, it had more substance to it, then a lot of these things would have been like, oh, it's kind of these fun interludes in between getting the exposition and the, and the plot moving. But there, there's nothing. There's Even the lineage of him being this kind of super spy is so mishandled. Yes, everything is mishandled. They, they keep trying to throw the joke. Like, how many times were they going to mention the Operation Cup and Balls? I'm like, it wasn't funny the first time. No. It's not funny the 15th time you said it. Yeah. Uh, and then the over-the-top Scarface character we get. I movie, hated that the most. I mean, come on. Like, uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm done with anything. You know, the say hello to my little friend. If I hear that from anyone ever again, it's I'm, I'm going to punch them in the face. Like... And again, admittedly, I'm not the biggest Scarface guy, but enough already. Like, we get it. The movie's 50 years old. Can we stop already? Yeah, please. You know? And I found Van Damme not, like, himself. He wasn't the problem in this movie. I thought he did with no. as he could with the material they gave him, right? For sure. But all the actors around him were just, they were bad. I mean, they were just bad. Like, to me, this movie could be spoofed on Mystery Science 3000, and I think I would enjoy it more. Totally. And it's funny you mentioned Spy Hard because I had a similar vibe. I was like, if you take out Van Damme and you put in like a Rowan Atkinson, this movie is just a straight, dumb spy. It's like Johnny English. You know, yes. it's like, it's, you know, it's some dumb, you know, action comedy with somebody who's actually more comedy than action. But when you tune into a Jean Claude Van Damme thing, you want the action. But we mentioned uh, when we were talking off air, it's like, Wait, how old is Jean-Claude Van Damme again? He's 60. And he's a hard, hard 60. 60. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, but I think we talked about it uh, maybe a little bit when uh, you and I talked about the ice road off, off air. It's like Liam Neeson's fucking mid to upper 60s now, and he's still doing it, man. So, like, yeah. you could get away with it if it's a certain type of action. And you can get stunt double stuff and whatever. But if you're Van Damme where you're, like, known for being like incredibly in shape at a, at a late stage in your career. He's like that guy. He's the splits guy. He's the, you know, he has this image to uphold. I don't know. Some of the ones seemed a little slow on the punch and, and things like that too, where he's, he's somehow outlasted all his contemporaries, right? Seagal's a pariah. You know, he's a piece of crap, and his his action moves are long gone. He's just fat with this weird, dark, you know, uh, goatee now, where he's just, it's an greasy. oddity. He's greasy. It's, it's so bad. Um, but so, and, you know, and even somebody like Stallone, like, you know, he's still trying to do different things, and Bruce Willis is just checked out to doing B straight to streaming or home video stuff, and, you know, it's weird. That he, he gets to still kind of cling around, still doing his same thing. But uh, it's weird. But I agree with you that he's not the problem here. The villains and the obstacles were mostly pointless or weak. You know, the ex-partner thing was way too late and only partially thought out. And, and it, it just didn't do enough. It just didn't do enough. No, I agree. Like, I literally had to stop and start this thing like four times. Four times. And yeah. again, it's, it's not Van Damme's problem. 
But I will say it's funny. He has the same dance moves that he had in Kickboxer from 1987. <laughs> yes. So he has, his dancing has not improved whatsoever. But he did seem a little slow on the draw in some of the action scenes. But I still think he could bring it out. Like, again, he wasn't the problem. It just every, 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 literally everything around him was the problem in this movie. Yeah, for sure. It was cartoonish, uh, you know, which, you know, if they brought, if they brought enough stuff out of him, you, you're there for him. All these other people. I, I didn't even bother writing down their names in, in my notes. I was just like, okay, his son is annoying. Annoying. And oh. the same note over and over again. I get it. But so they didn't advance his arc or change that. I thought um the the initial uh younger woman that he contacts in the neighborhood, I thought she was the best of the side character stuff. Agreed. And, but once they brought the son back in, once she helped him that a little bit, they sidelined her. So it made it made no sense. If they're redoing this, cut out all these extra idiots. Make her more of a central character and really kind of tie her into him and that neighborhood and really get this thing going because it just failed. I mean, you could see it in the scores. 5.4 IMDb. 50 Metascore, which I actually thought was way too high for this movie. But again, one of those where I think only seven people reviewed it on Metacritic. Um, 47% Tomato Meter, 46% Audience Score, 2.4 Letterbox, which again... I think a little more forgiving than I thought. So it's it's out there, man. People aren't uh, people aren't uh, really over the moon about it. But again, I think if you're Jean Claude Van Damme's audience, it might fit for them. Some people might get uh, a certain amount of enjoyment. Like I said, the the dancing, the the guy in his underwear, all these dad movie shit, including the fact that the movie is so boring in the middle that you could take a twenty minute nap, wake up. Watch the end. That is dad. That is all dads want. We want like, you know, I know friends of mine who love watching NASCAR just because there's so many laps that you can fall asleep in the middle and wake up and catch the end and still be like, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. I saw the whole thing. If I wasn't on your show tonight, I would have done that because I actually fell asleep. <laughs> I, I fell asleep like 40 minutes and I woke up and they're like towards the end. I'm like, should I go back and watch what I missed? Because I already tried this three other times. Like, no, I got to do this for Andrew. I got to finish this movie out. Yeah. And and the fact that you messaged me going like, I'm watching this sober, <laughs> you know, and I hate you for it. I need a drink right now. I, I'm like, there's no rules here. This is a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I don't expect you to come in going, listen, a lot of the composition in the cinematography didn't overwhelm me. Like, I don't want that from you with this. I want you to go, Jesus, what the hell was this? Right, exactly. <laughs> was but it yeah. enjoyable or not? Because, again, it's late stage Jean-Claude Van Damme. Very late. And I think it probably would have been more enjoyable if I had a couple drinks in me. Totally. I yeah. will say that. So, yeah, not that I want to go back and try that experiment. No, I'm just saying for anyone out there, this might be a movie better drunk than sober. Yeah, if anyone wants to come at me and be like, "Well, you rewatch Blood Red Sky and you liked it better in the second one," you should give this one another chance. Uh, I will not be. I am <laughs> sorry. Uh, if you want to send me clips of that bathroom scene for fun, that's that's about all I'm gonna. Get. Or uh, you know, little little gifs of uh, you know, Van Dam dancing. Fine, I'm right. all about it. I will laugh along with it. The rest of the movie can kick rocks, man. Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. You know, like I said, the the masters who made this trailer 
deserve, you know, all the awards when it comes yes. to the end of the year. If there's awards for trailers cutting, you know, nailed it. Um, but yeah, I, I just can't, I just can't recommend uh, him <clears throat> on any level. But good on him. He got his money. He's still doing stuff. You know, maybe this gives him an opportunity to make something else again at the end stage here. You know, that's I'm, I'm happy for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if I want to put it that way. But yeah, the movie didn't do enough for me at all. Nope. In fact, I think I gave it 1.5 out of out of five. Yeah, that's probably right. I, I haven't done the scoring because I like to do that after these. But man, yeah, I'm probably in that same boat. Um, and, and for anyone who obviously has been with us the, the whole while, I, I'm with you. I think you gave it th- uh, Blood Red Sky three out of five. I and did. I'm, pro- I'm probably right there. I would say the same. You know, it's kind of like a like a B minus right. film, maybe C plus, you know, because that last act really, you know, bothers me in a certain amount of way. So it's right on that cusp of being like this should have been better, but it's it's good enough to watch that right, kind of right. grade with you. So thanks for hanging with me, man. Like two big genre movies that we are looking forward to on certain levels and with various levels of satisfaction. But, you know, we should have known better, Shane, is we really should've. what it is. Because, I, I, like I said, I went through Jean-Claude's, uh, you know, filmography or whatever, and I was like, ah, it's been a minute since I enjoyed something. So am I overestimating this? And I think within the first few minutes, I was like, yep, totally, (laughs) totally get that. This is not where I should be. And yeah, would have been one of those complete shutoffs if I wasn't reviewing it. So I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of you for sticking through it. We got through it. Um, I appreciate it. Cause this, this, that was probably the hardest movie you ever had me watch period. Hands down. Oof. I'm trying. No, no, no. I will take I will take this movie a hundred times out of a hundred instead of that Polish horror slasher film we watched last year. Bring me the slasher film in the woods. I'll watch that again before I watch this again. Yeah. What was it called? Like, don't go in the God. I can't even remember the damn name of the movie. Yeah, something about the woods and children going to sleep or something like no sleeping in the woods tonight or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's ex- yeah, something like uh, that. Oh god, it was so bad. I never want ugh. I never even want to think about that movie again. Sorry. Uh yeah, no, <laughs> hey. But hey, it's uh, it's on the list of like uh, cuz to me, you know, uh, Last Days of American Crime, there's a bunch of movies that just completely wasted my time that, you know, there's movies that I wanted to review that have never made the airwaves here that I just turned off and was like, nope. Not happening. Yep. When I had zero options sometimes, I was like, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. There's there's some real clunkers out there, guys. So if you ever want us to do a, a worst of, like, never made the podcast episodes, I'll, I'll be willing to uh, maybe do that one day, too. Because, woof, there are some doozies. But this was harmless enough. It didn't completely, you know, make me sad to, to waste my hour and 45 or whatever um, which actually, yeah, now that I think about it, it's too long too, by the way, way too long, <laughs> way too long. Um, but we made it through. Thanks for that, man. I know you are getting back on the horse with media mosh, uh, after, you know, uh, a small absence there. So what do you got for me, man? What, what you just came out with an episode recently and then what do you got coming up for me? I got coming up. Yeah. It's that I call, I'm calling it a new season of media mosh. I had a lot going on, but I, this week I am reviewing the new Kate Beckinsale movie, Jolt which is over on Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. That seemed very up your alley. I did think about you with that one. 
I like that one. A lot. I'll just give it a little way. I like that one a lot. And I'm going to review Tenant, which I know I finally watched the Chris Renola movie Tenant. And I, I could probably explain that movie in 30 seconds, but uh, I'm going to try <laughs> my best because I, I don't know. You'll have to tune in and listen. Yeah. So wherever you get your local podcast from another podcast movie that or- it was my first movie during the pandemic, I think that I returned to and uh, I love Christopher Nolan and I fell asleep and had to rewatch it because, yep, uh, that's a big that's uh, currently a no for me, Doug. It's- <laughs> well, you'll have to tune in to see what I say, but I, I am a Christopher Nolan fan. This one, yeah. this one, yeah, it'll rock your brain a little bit. Great score. Great score. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The music, top notch. Cinematography, great. The rest of the movie, shrug. Right. Yeah. I watched it in HBO Max just to let everyone out there know. So I didn't have any of the issues people had when they went to the theater to see it, but like they couldn't hear the dialogue and stuff. Right. I heard everything just fine. So, yeah. Which, by the way, that wasn't a problem for me in the theater. I I don't know what people were doing. So, other than that, I will be reviewing the He Man, uh, Kevin Smith He Man show as well. I'm wrapping that up as we speak. So, yeah. Jolt, Tenet. Hey man, I'm all over the place. Yeah, uh, we that was a big conversation piece. Uh, I was at Terrificon, the uh, Connecticut Comic Book Convention, over the weekend, and that was definitely a uh, a conversation of why are people so mad? Why do people not know storytelling uh, to where clearly this is not the end of He Man? You freaking idiots! Let's calm down a little bit. I think Kevin Smith isn't suicidal, so um, you know. Hang on to your butts, people. It's not over. Uh, so let's let's move forward with that one. But yeah, the internet's a scary place. So, um, but I am interested to to hear your opinion on all those, especially Jolt. Jolt was one of those that I was kind of like looking at and going, it could be fun. It was um, fun, and don't let J- the casting of Jai Courtney sway you from seeing that movie. <laughs> He's only in it for a couple scenes. You'll yeah. if you like Kate Beckinsale, you'll like the movie. Well, see, I I am <clears throat> I am mixed on Kate Beckinsale. And I think that's probably a fair assessment for a lot of people. I like her in general, but she doesn't make a lot of great choices in the last 20 years, 15 years. That's about right. So, because I, I mean her in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, all about Kate Beckinsale. She was, she's, uh, I am a British apologist, like any kind of like halfway decent woman with a British accent. It just lures me in. She's a stunner. And she's a very good actress, um, you know. So I will, I will take all of that Kate Beckinsale stock from back then. But yeah, immediate sell. Uh, once I saw Underworld, I was like, oh, if this is where we're going, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we differ, my friend. <laughs> yeah, oh, listen, uh, it's it's a it's a bone of contention in my house too. Like you were saying, uh, you're a big more vampire and other stuff person. I am not so much. I, I pick and choose my battles. Um, and my wife is more into that and she watched all the underworld stuff and yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, Ann Rice or whoever else I got to apologize to. Um, even, uh, uh, one of my, uh, worst movies and people will attack me. I hate blade two with a passion that is a fever pitch. That was a movie that I wish I walked out of. Wow. Yeah. You that- are the first person to say that. That and um, what was the other one that uh, uh, Queen of the Damned? Queen of the Damned. I wanted to walk out of that movie so bad too. Actually, I did walk out of that one. I'm sorry, I did walk out of that one. And you should so, have. That that one was yeah. was really terrible. There's a lot of bad vampire movies. So you know, but Thirty Days of Night, I agree with you. That one's a good one. 
Yeah, I like that one. Josh Harden. We need him back. I know. I, I, I He's a guy who disappeared for who knows. You know, how, Hollywood homicide might have killed his career for a good reason. Well, <laughs> no. he was just in, he was just in the recent Guy Ritchie movie with Jason Statham. That's right. Which so. is now on uh, on on the old uh, VOD. So I might uh, check that out or it's on Redbox. Uh, you should so check can, it out. Yeah, I think I'm heading there. But I appreciate it, Shane. Always a pleasure to have you on, man. We're doing big things. You're coming back. We got a lot of stuff coming up here on this show. So I'm excited, man. We're doing it. Thank you so much for having me on. Always a pleasure. Always looking forward to it, my friend. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon.